At Sojourn, we believe women should not travel alone. We connect with each other through our stories, letting us know we're not alone in our feelings or our circumstances. Join us each week as we explore our faith through a story, scripture, and a few thoughts. This is Deanna Gosha with episode 37 of the Sojourn Podcast. It's the middle of summer, the dog days of summer, and I'll be telling stories from the hot summer months and exploring some thoughts that might help us think about our faith and practical ways it plays out in our lives. Summertime meant going to the pool. We'd run out the back door and cross the golf course, carefully looking to make sure no one was teeing off on hole nine. We'd drag our towel and maybe a bag with snacks and make it across the fairway before the next group of golfers were ready. Over a wooden bridge and up the path, checking in at the pool office window, we gave our last names and went into the locker rooms. After showering, or pretending to, we'd skip into the pool area. My favorite swimsuit was one my mom made me, pink seersucker, the style. And at that time, apron type tops were all the rage. It was as cute as could be. Not practical if you were, say, on the swim team and into racing, but I was not on the swim team and racing was not in my past, present, or future. We had three pools to choose from. The baby pool, formed in a perfect circle, was where a lot of the young moms hung out. They would sit on the side of the foot-deep pool within arm length of their toddler, chatting with one another about family life with littles, their latest find at JCPenney's or Dunavant's, and their go-to dinner recipes. We never went in there. Well, except when we were really young or when we wanted to play alligator. The pool depth was ideal for walking on your hands while your body floated behind you, completely simulating an alligator. Another option was the peanut pool. Obviously, it was shaped like a peanut. At one end were the steps with railing to get into the pool. On the other end was a curving slide that thrust you right into the six-foot end of the pool. No diving was allowed. It was a fun place to hang out, but after a while, we would get tired of the smallness of the pool, which led us to the big pool, the Olympic-sized pool, with black lines painted on the bottom to indicate lanes with a shallow end marked off by a rope and floats, and the deep end, 12 feet deep, 12 scary feet. At the very end were three diving boards. One was low to the ground, one required climbing three to four steps, and then there was the high dive, maybe 12 steps up, maybe more. That one summer, I had mastered the low diving board. I had even done cannonballs and dead man's walk off the medium board, but never had I ever gone off the high dive. Then one day, for reasons that are beyond me, I decided it was time. I don't remember if friends were involved. I don't remember a dare 
or being shamed into it. All I remember is slowly climbing up the stairs, one by one. After what felt like an eternity, I stepped onto the diving board and held tightly to the railing on either side. And carefully, I walked out about halfway to the end. I could see all over Huntsville, Alabama, it seemed. I definitely could see the entire pool complex. I inched my way to the end. I looked down. There it was. Empty space. So much empty space between me and the water. And the water. So deep. This was a bad idea. A very bad idea. I should have just jumped without thinking, but I started overthinking the whole situation I found myself in. I froze. From behind me, I could hear kids yelling to hurry up. The boy right behind me in line was particularly annoying. Hurry up. What are you waiting for? Just jump. I'm tired of waiting. On and on he went. The kids were lined up on the ladder because apparently there were no rules like no one on the ladder until the person jumps. Nope, they all lined up ready to go. One kid per every couple runs. And then a long line on the ground. Kids standing barefoot on the concrete while their bathing suits dripped around them. And there I was at the top, holding up the entire operation, frozen with fear. The lifeguard blew his whistle and shouted something along the lines of, jump or get down. You mean I had options? Get down. That sounded like the only sane option. I backed up, holding onto the silver metal guardrails. I heard the boy behind me yell down to the other kids, She's coming down. Everyone off the ladder. She chickened out. Get off the ladder. She's coming down. So I crawled down the ladder carefully and tried not to make eye contact with the other kids. Then I hurried for a beach chair, wrapping my towel around me. Fear had won that day. All summer long, my sister and I, along with my mom at times, would make the trek to the pool. Early in the morning were swim lessons, then home to rest and eat lunch, then back to the pool. Sometimes we'd use our guest passes to bring a friend along. Other times we played with each other or found some friends at the pool. We played Marco Polo and Ice Tea Plunge, where you stood at the edge of the pool and fell in backwards saying, Ah just like the commercial that was popular in the 70s. We raced from one side of the pool to the other. We jumped from the two smaller diving pool diving boards. We slid down the slide in the peanut pool. We went underwater and played tea party, trying to guess what was said underwater. Our bodies glistened with the pool water. It was about as dreamy as it sounds, save for the usual pool drama like a friend who abandoned you for another group or 
when the ants got into your PB&Js. All summer long, I steered clear of the high dive. You could have stamped the word fear in capital letters across it. Fear. Scripture talks about it a lot. Perhaps it's because some, it's something we all experience and must learn to navigate. Great orators spoke about fear. President Roosevelt said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And his wife Eleanor said, you gain strength and courage and confidence by each experience in which we really stop to look fear in the face. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. When my youngest son was five years old, we were at a new church plant. Every Sunday, we unloaded a trailer and set up the nearest elementary school with all the things. I was the children's pastor, and my husband was on the setup team, so we were at church for hours each Sunday. My son refused to talk to anyone. Painfully shy, he avoided eye contact and walked around with his head down. We did everything we knew to do to help him overcome his fear, to help him navigate it. We encouraged him. We prayed with him. We even paid him a quarter for every person he talked to. Many Sundays, well, most Sundays, he came home with no money. Our hearts just ached for him. Then one day, I told him that Pastor J.K., one of our pastors on staff, had been shy. Tyler couldn't believe it. Pastor J.K.? Yes, I said. He told me he could barely talk to people when he was young. Pastor J.K.? It seemed impossible because Pastor J.K. was the funniest person friendliest person you could ever meet. He talked to everyone all the time about anything. Then I shared, Pastor JK told me to tell you he learned a verse that helped him. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Tyler walked off deep in thought. Not long after that, we were driving somewhere and Tyler's voice popped up from the back seat. I'm tired of being scared. I'm going to start talking to people. And he did. Slowly. Painfully. But small steps that led to big steps. Until one day, he held himself with confidence and looked you in the eye. Sometimes it takes a decision to tackle fear, to say, I'm tired of this. I'm going to do something about it. It takes remembering that whatever scary thing we face, Jesus is there. We aren't alone in it. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. A Psalm 53 that David wrote when captured by the Philistines, when his future seemed uncertain. And he acknowledged in that psalm the deep fear that he carried. He reminded himself of all that was true, despite the fear. You put my tears in a bottle. God is for me. I will trust in God. What can they do to me? Near the end of the summer, I made my way back 
to the high dive. I climbed the ladder. Taking a deep breath, I walked to the edge of the board and without thinking, I stepped off. Down through the air, I fell, hitting the water and going deep into the 12 feet, popping back up to the surface and swimming quickly to the side. I did it. I jumped off the high dive. I had overcome my fear. I don't remember if I ever went off the high dive again. Maybe I did, but that first time was the most important. That first step back toward the ladder, that first rung on the ladder, that step onto the board, and finally, that step right off the board into the water below. Somewhere along the way, I'd imagined what it might look like to walk through the fear and make that step off the diving board. When we can imagine what it might look like, it helps us to take the first step. Tyler imagined what it might feel like to talk to people. David might have imagined what it might be like to endure captivity with the peace God brings instead of paralyzing fear. I had imagined the feeling of knowing I had conquered the diving board. Think about the thing that is causing fear for you. Can you imagine what might be different? What first step might we need to take right now? What's big and scary? What secret fear are we holding inside? What fear makes its way out of our mouth sometimes looking like anger? Admitting the fear is the first step. Then what's the next step? Perhaps imagining and believing that it doesn't have to be like this. I'm asking myself that right now. What do I fear? Perhaps today is the day we can all take a step toward overcoming or navigating that fear. I'll end today reading Psalm 53 from the NLT translation. Oh God, have mercy on me. For people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. I am constantly hounded by those who slander me and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They are always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, O oh God, bring them down. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. My enemies will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. I trust in God, 
So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Thanks for listening to the Sojourn Podcast today. To learn more about us, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram as Sojourn Women.